I want to invite you to your Bibles to Ezekiel. I said that right, Ezekiel. It has been years since I've ever preached a sermon from Ezekiel. I have preached from Ezekiel, but it's been a long time. And so I want to invite you to page 675 in the Pew Bible and pull it open on your phone, whatever you want to. We're going to look at chapters 1 through 3 today. And we're starting a new series through Ezekiel. And this is a prophet's kind of forgotten uh, that we don't spend a lot of time with. And his name, Ezekiel's name, means God strengthens. Ezekiel's name means... God strengthens. Could you use some strength today? Yeah. And so I'm confident that Ezekiel will help us as we're looking at this theme of a journey of renewal. Just want God to strengthen us, to renew us. And so Old Testament prophet. And so I want us to get into uh, this, this text here in a moment. Um, but I'll be honest, right out of, the, out of the gate, Ezekiel, it's confusing. It's a hard book to understand, so I just want to just lay that out there. I had a shirt I was wearing this week. Uh, It's a black shirt, white letters. It just says, the Bible is, and then there's a big blank with a period. The Bible is, and you fill in the blank. How would you fill in that blank? I was talking with a friend, had lunch with him. He said, what's the story on your shirt? And I said, well, a niece gave it to us, and it landed in my dresser. And uh, I said, how would you finish the sentence? The Bible is, and my friend said, an enigma. An enigma. You know what an enigma is? It's like a puzzle. It's confusing. And so I replied back, true, the Bible is enigmatic. I haven't used that word in a long time, but it's kind of fun to say enigmatic. It just means the Bible can be confusing. I said, you're right. The Bible can be confusing. And this prophet Ezekiel can be confusing. Part of the reason it's confusing is because of the type of literature it is. It's what we call apocalyptic literature. Are you ready? I'm sorry I'm using big words today. I don't usually try to, but apocalypse, you've heard the apocalypse, like the end of the world and everything's going to burn and crash up. Is that kind of what we have, this picture of apocalypse? But the word apocalypse just means to, to uncover or to reveal, and it's a type of writing that uses symbols or pictures and images, and usually you'll get, the, you'll get a kind of a lead with in my journey at night, I saw a vision. And so it talks about dreams and visions. So if you see dreams, visions, you can just say, okay, we're talking apocalyptic language here. There's going to be some things that are going to be confusing. But as you walk through this, here's two questions that's going to be very helpful as you read through your Bible because the apocalyptic literature is sprinkled throughout Scripture. We think of it mostly with the name Apocalypse, the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. I love this stuff, to be honest. I think it's fun. I think it's, it's beautiful. And so the two questions that will help you understand these images, these pictures, are one, is this image in heaven or earth? Was the vision taking place somewhere up in the sky, there's heaven, or is it here on earth? That's going to be helpful for you. The second question you need to ask about these images and pictures, is it good or bad? Is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? Those will... F- kind of give you some pretty good handholds on this text. Are you following me? And so, is heaven and earth good or bad? One other thing, and then we're going to get in the scripture. Uh, we have Right Now Media we'd love to give to you. If you haven't signed up for Right Now Media, we invite you to do that. Uh, and you can text Berlin CC to 49775. 
You just text it right now if you don't have it. You can call us at the church office, but you can put it on your phone, smart TV, computer, tablet, and there's all kinds of lessons and there's veggie tales for kids and all kinds of fun material for you. But there's 11 sessions on Ezekiel from one of the professors at Ozark Christian College, Mike Ackerman. So take advantage of that if you're saying, okay, preacher, you got me confused today. Uh, He might help unconfuse you. So here we go. Are you ready? For Ezekiel chapters 1 through 3, I want to just pick up three images. One from chapter 1, chapter 2, and one from chapter 3. The first image that's going to take us a little bit to get here is throne. We're going to talk about throne. We're going to talk about scroll in chapter 2. And then we're going to talk about watchmen in chapter 3. So throne, scroll, watchmen. The throne reminds us who is in charge. We're going to see that in chapter 1, but it's going to take a while to get there. I just want to read God's word to you today. Is that okay that we just read the Bible at church? I'm just going to read the Bible today, and it's, there's just a lot here that I just, it's just so fun, though. I just think it's so cool that I want you to follow along with me. So please, I'm going to try and keep us moving, uh, but I think there's some fun stuff here, okay? So Ezekiel chapter 1. He starts out, in my 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Now, I know you're not very excited, but he just helped us understand a little bit what's happening. We're going to find out his name again is in chapter, in verse 2, verse 3, Ezekiel. What's Ezekiel's name means? It means God strengthens. You need to kind of stay awake. We can't be this sleepy already because it's going to be a long morning. So Ezekiel's name means God strengthens. And do you need some strength today? Yes. Ezekiel was taken from his home, from Jerusalem over to Babylon, about a thousand miles away. Here's a modern day map of it. Babylon is now what's known as Iraq or think Baghdad. So he was taken about a 1,000 miles from home. Almost picture the refugees that we're seeing on the news. That would be what it was like. And it would have been about 20 years before uh, Babylon really burns Jerusalem to the ground. So he was in the first wave of people that were brought to Babylon. So there's still people back home in Jerusalem before it gets destroyed, 586. We're thinking probably 605 B.C. is Ezekiel. He's in Babylon, 1,000 miles away from home. How do you feel if you're a thousand miles away from home against your will? He was also about five years away from joining his, um, becoming a priest. He was, at age 30, he'd become a priest. And so at about 25, he's taken, five, uh, taken a thousand miles away. So just think, your dream job that you've been working through all your life, you're about ready to step in, and that's taken away. This is Ezekiel. We have visions of God, so that's our very clue. Get ready for some fun symbols, images. I don't know. It's just some crazy stuff. Here we go. Verse 2. On the fifth of the month, it was their fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin. Verse 3. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Ezekiel's name means God. You're getting better. The word of the Lord came to him, the son of Butsai, by the Kibar River, the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was on him. That is an image you're going to see throughout Ezekiel. I hope that you read through these 48 chapters in Ezekiel this summer. And you're going to see the hand of the Lord was on him. 
The hand of the Lord was on him. The hand of the Lord was on Ezekiel. Verse 4. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. Are you going to picture yet? This is looking kind of funky. We can picture storms this time of year. We, so we got a picture. we got this windstorm, clouds, lightning, brilliant light. Need to put some sunglasses on. And there's fire, glowing metal, living creatures. In appearance, their form was human. Verse 6. But each of them had four faces. These guys seem like they could come out of the Avengers. Four different faces. Get ready. Here it comes. And four wings. Verse 7. Their legs were straight. Their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. You getting the picture in your brain right now? You've got this fiery figure, four different faces, and his legs are glowing on fire. And he looks like a cow. This is weird. This is weird. We're just getting, he's just getting started, folks. Hang on. It's going to get crazier. Verse 8. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings. And the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Verse 10. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had a face of a human being. On the right side, each had the face of a lion. On the left side, a face of an ox and also had a face of an eagle. You have that picture in your brain now? So we got a human, lion, eagle, face creatures, okay? Uh, ox. Verse 11. They were face, there, such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading out upward, each wing touching the, that of the creature on the, each side, each of the two wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. Wherever the Spirit would go, that's where they would go. Today's a Christian holiday we call Pentecost Sunday. It's the Sunday we remember where the Holy Spirit comes on the believers. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2. It's the birthday of the church. So these figures are led by the Spirit. So what do you think? Good, good guys, bad guys? Verdict's still out. We're in heaven, so usually heaven's good. Let's just kind of play this out somewhere. We're going to have to hang on. Verse 13. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. Fire moved back and forth from among the creatures. It was bright. Lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel. And on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. So now we've got living creatures, now we've got wheels coming on. Are you confused? There's a reason why I haven't preached this in a long time. This was the appearance of the structure of the wheels. Verse 16, they sparkled like topaz and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. So you've got a wheel this way, you've got a wheel that way. Almost like a gyroscope thing or something going on. As they moved, they would go in any one of four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. 
Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. Okay, is that just weird or what? Now we've got eyeballs on these rims. I'm thinking of the, some of those cool cars where they've got those spinners on and you know, they come up to the stoplight and they just keep spinning. That's kind of the image I have. We've got these big high wheels, crazy looking creatures, four faces. This is starting to get what we're looking at maybe here. Verse 19, when the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Where the spirit would go, they would go, and the wheels would rise along with them. Because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved. When the creatures stood still, they also stood still. When the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with them. Because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. I just need to read this because I'll be honest, I can't explain all what's going on here. But don't get so caught up with all these creatures that we miss what's happening above. And here's where we go. So we're going to start raising our eyes up higher, okay, on these. Verse 22, spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like something like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. That's the word of the God. This word for vault is what's used in Genesis chapter 1 where God made heaven and earth. And he says, I'm putting a vault in the sky, this, this expanse in the sky. So it's something heavenly related. So again, are we in heaven or are we in earth? We're in heaven. Picture of heaven. Verse 23, under the vault, their wings were stretched out, one toward the other. Each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. The voice of the Lord Almighty, or the Lord of heaven's armies, is another description of this word. And so it sounds like rushing waters it sounds like an army so not only is visually like we have to put sunglasses on to see this fire lightning bright stuff now we're hearing something that sounds like a massive waterfall niagara falls marching army so sensors senses are just pushed to the limits that's what apocalyptic language does it just tries to communicate stuff where language can't even do it so at, at minimum, we're like, whoa, this is something big and powerful. Here we go. Let's keep looking higher. Verse 25. Then there came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood with the lowered wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne, a throne of lapis lazuli. It's a bright color. High above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire. And that from down, from there down, he looked like fire. This guy is a fiery figure. Brilliant light surrounded him. Verse 28, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on the rainy day, so was the radiance around him. The appearance, this appearance was... a. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. The appearance was like the likeness of the glory of God. This word is first used in Genesis 1.26. Let us make mankind in our likeness. 
in our image. And so we have this likeness of the glory of God. When I, Ezekiel, saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. So lest we get so hung up with, with the creatures and the wheels and all that's happening, I want us to focus on throne. Because someone's on the throne and the throne reminds us of who is in charge. And in this season of pandemics, and school shootings, and refugees running for their lives, it's really important to know who's in charge. And God Almighty is on the throne. That's the picture of Ezekiel chapter 1. And these apocalyptic books in the Bible are very popular when life is out of control. The book of Revelation was very widely read during the Holocaust because there were dragons and evil, and they wanted those bad guys taken care of. And the book of Revelation reminds you, good wins. And so we have this picture of this guy, God, on the throne, alive and well. And the response of Ezekiel, what does he do? He gets down on his face. And one thing that maybe we should do more often, church, is to get down on our faces or get down on our knees. And I know for some of us, I can get down, but I can't get back up. I get it. So there's some way that maybe you can find a posture to remind you you, that God is on the throne and that he is the king. I try to twice a day, I've been doing this just recently, try and get down on my knees in the morning and the night, I read a psalm. I just try to physically say, God, you're in charge, I'm not. What does that look like for you? The sermon and sentence goes something like this. I borrowed it from Derek Thomas. He says, when God is our treasure, submission is our pleasure. When God is the most important person for you, then you're very happy to submit and do whatever he asks you to do. When God is our treasure, submission is our pleasure. If you want a good commentary on the book of Ezekiel, you need to go to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation, chapter 1, Revelation 1, verses 12 to 17. It goes like this. This is John. He has a vision. It says, I turned around to see the voice of the one who was speaking to me. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Sounds a little familiar. Dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, his, and as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. We saw some blazing fire in our Ezekiel passage, didn't we? His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Sound familiar? In his right hand he held seven stars, coming out of his mouth a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. That sound a little bit like Ezekiel? When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. Remember the hand of the Lord was on me? Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. When you read Ezekiel, you read Revelation, you see a lot back and forth. There just shows up constantly. When God is on the throne, when God is our treasure, submission is our pleasure. Chapter 2, you ready? We're going to continue. 
Chapter 2, our image is a scroll. The scroll reminds us of the message that we share. So he's waiting. This voice is speaking, rushing waters. He's getting ready to speak. Finally, we get to chapter 2. He said to me, son of man. That's a common phrase. You'll see that throughout Ezekiel. Son of man, son of man, son of man. It's also the favorite name for Jesus that he calls himself, the son of man. He borrows it from Daniel chapter 7, which says the son of man is going to come and conquer all the beasts and evil. Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the spirit came into me. Holy Spirit, day of Pentecost, celebrate him, and raise me to my feet. I heard him speaking. He said, verse 3, Ezekiel 2, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious people, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. Verse 4, the people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, six times in these nine verses he's going to say, these people are rebellious. Do you live among any rebellious people? Do you know anybody who's obstinate or stubborn? He says, for they will know that there is a prophet among you. That's another theme in Ezekiel. You do this, Ezekiel, because the people will know that I am God. And you, son of man, verse 6, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you live among scorpions. Do you have any scorpion-like people living around you? Anybody snag you up like briars or thorns? It says, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Here's where we're getting a crazy thing happening again. Verse 9. Then I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament, mourning, and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll and then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you, and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. When's the last time you ate a scroll? Reminds me of that, is it the Uber Eats commercial? Eat this, don't eat this, eat this, don't eat this. It's tastes good, it says. But you remember what's written on that thing, don't you? Lament, mourning, woe. These are bad things. He eats it, it tastes sweet as honey. That's just weird. This is a weird book. Are you, are you, I hope you come back next week. I really do. <laughs> I really do. I want us to hear these things because this is in the Bible and we need to kind of have some of this in, 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 in front of us. Again, you want a commentary on the book of Ezekiel? Where do you go? Revelation. Thanks. Some of you are awake. Go to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. Ezekiel's throughout Revelation, my friends. It's all throughout. So Revelation chapter 10, verse 10. Again, John, vision, angel, scroll coming here. 
He says, I took the little scroll from the angel's hand, I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey. Isn't that what Ezekiel's scroll just tasted like? And I ate it. And it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. The scroll reminds us of the message that we share. Psalm 119 reminds us that God's word is as sweet as honey. And we need to ingest God's word. We need God's word in our hearts, in our bellies. And some of it's going to be tasty. And others, it might turn our stomach. Dawson Trotman was with the Navigators, a very great disciple-making movement and group of followers. Whenever they would uh, disciple people as followers of Jesus, they would say this, We taught him how to fill the quiver of his heart with the arrows of God's word so that the Spirit of God could lift an arrow from his heart and place it in the bow of his lips and pierce a heart for Christ. That's a picture of a prophet. You speak the words of Jesus. Someone said they're so full of Scripture that when you poked them, when you cut them, they bled the Bible. Do you have so much Bible in you that it just overflows? Jesus said it this way, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we have a message to share, my friends, and sometimes it's not always popular. And I'll be honest, that's where I just wrestle. Most of the time, I just keep my mouth quiet. I just don't say a thing. Ezekiel's commissioned, you better talk. And he's going to, God's going to say, you talk and don't worry about what they do. You just tell them what I say. He's reminded to be strong. You go down to verse 10 of the same chapter, chapter 2 of Ezekiel. He said to me, son of man, listen carefully. Take to heart all the words I speak to you. Go now to the people in exile. Speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or fail to listen. Then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me a loud rumbling sound as the glory of the Lord rose from the place where it was standing. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures brushing against each other and the sound of the wheels beside them, a loud rumbling sound. The Spirit then lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness and in anger of spirit with the strong hand of the Lord on me. Ezekiel doesn't seem like he's happy to have this experience. Angry, bitter, mad. I came to the exiles who lived among the Kibar River There they were living. I sat among them for seven days, deeply distressed. Sometimes when God puts something on your heart, it's going to weigh you down. And you may have some time. You just have to sit on it and think on it and see what am I supposed to do. And so that image of the scroll reminds us that we have a message to share. And it's going to stir in us some things might taste sweet as honey, it sounds like, so you've got to trust God. But there's going to be some hard stuff to do. Chapter 316 gives us the image, our next image of the watchman. Watch person, if you want to take it that way. And the watchman reminds us of the role we serve. This is what we're to do. Verse 16, Ezekiel chapter 3. At the end of the seven days, 
The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. Whenever, when I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. Do you hear what he just said? It's like, I told you what to say. And there's people that are in trouble and they're going to die. And if you don't warn them, their blood's on your hands. That's scary, folks. That's scary. He says, but if you do warn the wicked person and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, but you will have saved yourself. Again, when a righteous person turns from their righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before them, they will die. Since you did not warn them, they will die for their sin. The righteous things that person did will not be remembered, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the righteous person not to sin, and they do not sin, they will surely live because they took warning, and you will have saved yourself. The hand of the Lord was on me there, and he said to me, Get up and go out to the plain, and there I will speak to you. So I got up and went out to the plain, and the glory of the Lord was standing there like the glory I'd seen by the Kibar River. I fell face down. Then the Spirit came to me and raised me to my feet. He spoke to me and said, Go, shut yourself inside your house, and you, son of man, they will tie with ropes. They will be bound so you cannot go out. To among the people, I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so you will be silent, unable to rebuke them, for they are rebellious people. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says Whoever will listen, let them listen. Whoever will refuse, let them refuse, for they are a rebellious people. That's chapters one through three. There's 45 more chapters. We're not going to do that today. But we have a message to share. We've got a role to serve. We're, as followers, Jesus called to be watchmen. We've got to watch out for people. The Apostle Paul felt similarly. In Acts chapter 20, verse 26 and 27, he says, Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. This prophet is going to rock your world if you'll listen to him. I pray that he renews us. Ezekiel's name means God strengthens and God will strengthen you. We are called to serve as watchmen. Watch people. Think of like the cool pirate ships and the guy up in the crow's nest and has a spyglass keeping a watch out or maybe it's the submariner's got the periscope and you're checking things around or or that person that's watching over the city what's your role as christians we're called to watch out for danger warn people of danger have you heard about john parker not the one that used to be a member here at deacon years ago but there's another john parker he was a police officer he wasn't a very good one in fact, he had a lot of delinquent duties on the job, and yet he still had the job that night at Ford's Theater. John Parker was the security detail for President Lincoln that night at Ford's Theater. 
And John Parker actually showed up late for duty that night to relieve the guy who was standing guard. The show starts. John Parker, his job was sit in this seat right outside the president's presidential box. You stay there. Keep him safe. The show starts. He can't see the play very good, so he went to find a better seat. At intermission, he goes across next door to the Star Saloon for a drink. Across the way, there's someone else having a drink. John Wilkes Booth. And Booth steps up and goes across to the Ford Theater. And he finds a vacant seat. Where? Who was supposed to be? John Parker was supposed to be right there. He probably thought to himself, he was going to have to wrestle a guard. He's like, this is easier than I thought it'd be. And we know the rest of the story, what happened that night. John Parker did not watch out for what he was supposed to do. He was a watchman that night, and he failed. There was a hearing, but he was acquitted. Do you believe that? He even kept his job as part of the White House security detail. In fact, he drew the lot one night to watch over, guess who? Mary Todd Lincoln. She wasn't too happy to see his face. In fact, she said, I think you murdered my husband. And he said, I was wrong. And I have wept bitterly over that. I have repented. We don't know much more about John Parker's story. That's just the stories that I found. Hopefully, I think most of it's true. Buried in an unmarked grave. But he failed that night. But he did acknowledge that he was wrong and he repented and people were gracious enough to give him a second chance. As followers of Jesus, we have a message to share. And when God is our treasure, submission is our pleasure. I love how Ezekiel closes. The last verse of Ezekiel talks about this temple and this new city and the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there. That's really the story of Jesus, isn't it? That Jesus came to earth, God, with us. I hope you'll journey through Ezekiel this summer. I hope that you'll have some fun learning through some of this. I'll be honest, it will be confusing. But I think if you can step back and see the big picture, you're going to say, God, you're strong, and there's a lot of people that are doing it wrong, and you still are going to give us a second chance. So when God is our treasure, submission is our pleasure. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you for this opportunity to gather. I thank you for this beautiful piece of scripture that is often forgotten. I pray that you'd empower us through your grace and that you would renew us because as Ezekiel's name reminds us, you are the one who gives us strength. Amen.